Joining us on SENZ, I believe this is a repeat performance. He's a returning uh, gentleman to our airwaves here in New Zealand, and it's so good to be able to welcome in the man, the myth, the legend. He is Joe House. You hear him on the Ringer Network, of course, with his main man, Bill Simmons, his own podcast, Fairway Rolling, with Nathan Hubbard, and, of course, the Ringer Gambling Show. House from D.C. Joe House, how are you? Louie, I'm fantastic. I want to pass along some regards. I was just on the phone moments ago with the pot father himself, Bill Simmons. He wanted me to tell everybody in New Zealand how much he, he loves New Zealand. And, and uh, he, he's honestly a little hurt he didn't get the invite. He, he wanted to know why I got the invite and he didn't. Yeah, it's interesting, interesting, because I remember a few years ago, him and Brasillo uh, uh, slandered Stephen Adams' contract, and they heard about it. It actually made network network news over here, so nothing the Podfather does, um, doesn't go under the radar down under, if you know what I mean. I understand completely, and, and, and uh, Stephen Adams has made them eat those words a little bit, maybe. Yes. Convenient, isn't it? Um, no, loving it. Loving all the work you guys do on, on the Ringer House. But it's this is like your wheelhouse. We've got the NBA playoffs a day off so we can talk to you about the Final Four. The bubble didn't mean anything. And then obviously the PGA Championship. But I want to start with the hoops. Um, over in your side of the world, the Eastern Conference, the Celtics managed to squeeze one out against the Sixers, and Jason Tatum well, became a demigod. And then the Miami Heat, are you calling them the zombie Heat as well? I mean, how are they still walking? Yeah, it's an amazing story with the Heat, and I have been mad at the Heat for, for a long time because, you know, with the combination of, of talent and, and coaching for the Heat, I expected them to finish at least middle of the pack in the Eastern Conference and give, you know, uh, the, the top three teams some, some trouble. Well, it turned out as an eight seed, they're perfectly capable of uh, giving everybody a hard time from that spot. And what they did to the Milwaukee Bucks was just uh, an enormous reminder of how different NBA playoff basketball is from the regular season, and especially if you have um, a, a stable coaching situation and and you know a coach that's been around nba playoffs for a long time in the form of eric spolstra and a player that lives for the prime time spotlight in jimmy buckets jimmy butler himself man that was such a performance against the bucks and then they validated that with another very impressive performance against the knicks so yeah they are the zombie heat they cannot be counted out. This is the third Eastern Conference Finals in four years for the Heat. All credit to Eric Spolstra and, and Heat culture because it's real, Louis. It is a real thing. So I'm so curious about Boston sports mentality because, yeah, they might have had lean years, but in the scheme of things, they are a, a city, a region that has been inundated with championships across all of their major sports throughout the years, but somehow they always come across so anxious and paranoid. Will they be anxious and paranoid about the zombie heat? They absolutely will be anxious and paranoid about the heat. And, look, you have to remember that the success they've experienced, it's, it's a fairly recent vintage. Now, it has spanned what feels like 15 to 20 years now between the combination of Tom Brady with the Patriots the Celtics, you know, um, jumping back up into the, the mix. They had 
the the finals repeat performance in 2009 and 2010, um, and then they were in the finals again just last year. But there were many, many decades, uh, at least on the Red Sox side. And you have to remember that Boston is originally a baseball city. They lived that that the, the baseball uh, trauma for for so long. When they finally beat the Yankees, that kind of unleashed a a a, a civic re- relief, I would say. But you know they 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 haven't really gotten that used to the to the winning, even though they had Tom Brady for for six Super Bowl rings. How big and put it in perspective for us the best you can, House. How big would a Celtics Lakers finals be? And, and we don't have to speculate what might happen to get there, but would that really capture the imagination of the American sports fan? It absolutely would, and and it you know it it's cross generational, um, be, because you know you you can you, it, it traces through the history of the NBA from Kareem to Kobe to uh, LeBron in this iteration of the Lakers, and then with the Celtics it's 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 Larry Bird, it's uh, Paul Pierce, and now with Jason Tatum and, and Jalen Brown. I mean we're talking about. 40 years on either side of those franchises. And so, you know, there are lots and lots of sports fans on, on either coast that have been raised rooting against the Lakers. If you are, you know, a Western conference team or rooting against the Celtics, if you're in the Eastern conference and there's lots of examples over the years of those two franchises, you know, um, putting it to your own team. So yeah, it would absolutely capture the, the American sporting public imagination because you're talking about Hall of Famers across the board from both um, franchises and, and banners waving in rafters, in, in numerous uh, banners waving in rafters in those two uh, stadiums. I guess the only issue is there's a seven-foot-whatever Serbian, I think he is, man, standing in the way. Uh, Nikola Jokic, this guy in the Nuggets, they've got to be prohibited favourites to win it all from here, don't they? House, I haven't seen the books in America, but I mean, the way that they just ate up Devin Booker and kind of broke his spirit against the Phoenix Suns in the last um, round there, I just, I don't really know how any team's going to stop the momentum the Nuggets have. They have... Two advantages. You just mentioned the first. That's Nikolai Jokic. He is a one of a kind. He is absolutely the best offensive player in the NBA. I mean, folks can quibble if they want. If you want to try to make a case for Giannis, by all means, go ahead. But I, th- there is a legit argument to be made that Jokic deserves his third straight MVP. Uh, and his unique talent is to elevate his teammates. It's on the assist side. They're not empty assists. His, his team and what he's able to do in terms of, of ball movement and seeing opportunities for his teammates, a lot of folks have likened him in terms of his court vision to Larry Bird. I don't think that that's really that big of a stretch. Uh, Denver, the most efficient offense in the NBA in the playoffs, averaging nearly 119 points per 100 possessions, uh, and, you know, they've been orderly and systematic in how they have dismantled Minnesota. And then Phoenix, they have also the advantage of home court. And in Denver, that is meaningful because 
the uh, the difference, the altitude of Denver and the thin air there. Now, you know the 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 they've always had a home court advantage. They went thirty four and seven at home this regular season, um, which is you know sort of typical when they're when they when they have good teams, they take care of home court. Um, but in the playoffs, when they're when it's you know, there's only one night off in between, and you're already catching a thirty eight year old James. Um, they just went through, you know, a, a, a seven-game series, a six-game series on the back of another lengthy series. And, you know, Anthony Davis with the mileage that he had to put on to help the Lakers make the playoffs in the first place, uh, there, is, there is a rest advantage for Denver. There's a youth advantage for Denver. And Denver, to me, has the more complete team. But uh, Jokic is a one-of-one the straw that stirs the drink, and it's going to be a really fascinating matchup because if there's any big man in the NBA that, that could present a challenge, it's Anthony Davis. But I, I really think this Nuggets team, it, it, it could be their year, Louis. Oh, it's exciting. They just play such amazing basketball. I, look, I've got to ask because I know how, we know how patriotic, and we, we do think it's a little bit – uh, crazy down here in New Zealand. We're a young nation. We know how much history there is in America. Do you think it frustrates American basketball fans a little bit having these big European players and then even, you know, your Luka Doncic's of the world coming in and being high usage and in Jokic's case, back-to-back MVPs, uh, Joel Embiid, obviously an international and African player from Cameroon as well. Do the American basketball fans get frustrated or do you love it? Do you embrace it? Um, it's a fascinating question, and I think you'll get um, a little bit different answer depending on um, who you ask and, and the demographic. You know, uh, I'm old enough to have enjoyed basketball throughout the, the you know you know five decades, and the rise of the game in the international space has been tremendous from my perspective because a lot of the international players have arrived in the NBA with a kind of um, uh, foundation and a, a fundamental game that's different from the way a lot of kids in the U.S. are, are raised. The culture of, of basketball in the U.S. over the past 20 years or so has lost some of those um, fundamentals. And it's also, I think, just good for the game in, in general to have the world appeal, the world support, um, you know, Yao Ming and, and, and the importance of of his contribution to, to making basketball super popular in China and, and Asia in general. I, I think it's just very, very good for the league. And for me, I love it. I mean, I, I think it's, it, it's, it's tremendous. I don't, you know, it's, it's a fun conversation to say, who do you think is the best American basketball player um, mm. at, at the moment? And, and, you know, I don't, it, it's tough to walk to, to argue against, uh, Jason Tatum, after the 51-point game he had in Game 7 uh, over the weekend. Um, but, you know, Steph Curry's been been pretty good for a pretty long time. It's a fun conversation to have. But I absolutely adore um, the worldwide footprint that the NBA enjoys now because it really helps the game. It's good for the game. It's, it's fun brand of basketball. It's sound basketball. And it's fun to watch from my perspective. Well, honestly, 
uh, Joe, like down here in Australia and in New Zealand, you would have seen the NBL and Lamello coming through. Um, we've got a couple of French kids that are going to be declaring for the draft. Basketball's the big, fastest growing sport globally. I truly believe that. And we've got rugby and cricket and traditional sports down here, but especially those physical sports. And I'm sure you see this with American football, the contact side of things and the concussion and the CDE. Basketball is trending upwards. It has been for a long time. And I do think the world's positions is going to get stronger and stronger. And the you've got a sport like golf which globally with the live tour is just accelerating and i have to ask as we segue have you ever had the pleasure of playing oak hill uh house because i know you do get around to some of these how should we put them um more elite venues i i i'm not afraid louis to extend myself an invite anywhere uh i, I have not found the right person to to ask myself you know into a game up there <laughs> at Oak Hill. and you know have to the, the the weather is 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 a challenge when you when you're talking about northern new york um you really have a window that kind of starts now and maybe goes into i guess the end of september early october and then the, the weather kind of changes you have to be a hearty soul to be able to play um uh, up there so i haven't played it and I'm glad that you asked because as the PGA Championship, you know, uh, arrives this week, the star of the show is really truly going to be that golf course. And what everybody is already talking about and will continue to be talking about is the renovation and restoration of that golf course to the vision that Donald Ross had, you know, uh, over 100 years ago for what that property should consist of and the challenge um, that it should pose. And the, the, the single biggest thing that will be different from other times that people might have seen Oak Hill over the last 20 years or so, that, that the report is that thousands of trees have been removed as part of the renovation and restoration by the architect Andrew Green, recreating some visual vistas that um, ha- haven't been seen in, in decades and, you know, creating an opportunity for the club to grow the rough and to, to create narrow fairways um, that are going to pose a real challenge. It is a big boy golf course. It's a golf course that has hosted U.S. Opens before. I honestly think that it's going to play like a U.S. Open this week because of the combination of um, the wet weather that they've had up there in New York. So they've had the ability to grow the rough, and then it's going to be cool temperatures. So I don't think you're going to see – Many guys going under par over over the course of the four rounds. Oh, it sets up beautifully. You know, the guys that are going to be big off the tee, if they can um, get an advantage that way, they'll use it. And there's a man who's paying 200 to 1 down here. And he is a big boy. He's got a big chest. He's got big arms. His dad was a famous all-black first five. His name's Ryan Fox. He's a new dad for the second time, so he's got that dad power. And just in your... You know, when you when you're looking wide and just trying to spec a couple of odds, house just don't don't overlook Ryan Fox. That's one from us. I, I just wrote, I just added him to my list. Now Ryan Fox at different times has um, played well enough and 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 you know made some cuts here in the in the U.S. in in big events. Um, so I, I'm adding him to my list immediately, Louis. Good. Who else? Who else checks the boxes? Who else is going to be long off the tee and and will have the um the right mentality to handle the pressure cooker, which is New York sports fans. Yeah. So the conversation 
that we've been having, they're, they're, you start with Scotty Scheffler and John Rahm, and, you know, you, you try and come up with a reason why either one of them might not win because they both have the skill sets uh, complete enough to, to win at this venue and really in, in any major for the foreseeable future. The combination of power and touch that both of them possess, you have to try and find a weakness to talk yourself into a reason to, to not select them to win. They have really separated themselves from the rest of, of the golfing world. If you wanted to make a case against Scheffler, his putter has not been very good. He had the most putts of anybody that made the cut at Augusta, which is kind of a, a stunning thing. He hit the most greens in regulation and had the most putts. So, you know, which, which version of that um, will show up? And then with, with Rom. The only thing that you can sort of come up with is the weight of history. Only six players in the history of the game have um, won the Masters and then, you know, the second tournament of the year. Now it's the PGA Championship. Uh, <clears throat> previously, it, it was uh, the, the U.S. Open. But winning the first two majors of the year is an extraordinarily difficult thing. And so that would be the only knock uh, you can come up with. With with Rom, um, the odds for those two guys are not very good. You're not going to get you know a great return on them. And frankly, we're interested in trying to dabble in some guys where you might get a little bit better return on investment. Um, some names that are showing up, uh, and you know it's tough to get an, your arms around how the the live guys are going to perform. But their performance at the Masters in the form of of what Phil Mickelson did. And what Brooks Koepka did and what Patrick Reed did, three guys in the, in the top ten, uh, extraordinarily Im impressive. A guy I have my eye on, Louis, is Cam Smith, who finally looks like his game is rounding into form. A 61 yesterday or, or early over the weekend in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And the indication is that some, some touch around the greens is going to be required at Oak Hill because you're not going to be hitting a ton of greens in, in regulation. The, the uh, anticipated uh, number of greens in regulation is around 50%, which means you have to be able to, to get up and down and save par from off the green. And we've seen Cam Smith do that with extraordinary uh, skill in, in winning the, the Open Championship. So um, he's a little bit further down the board because folks don't know how to properly handicap the, the, the live players. Um, and, and I'm sure that that's uh, exciting for folks in the Australia and New Zealand region of the world, right? Well, it is, because if you ever come across Cam Smith, you'll come across his man, New Zealander, on the bag, Sam Pinfold. And if you do, tell him that we sent you and you will have a very good time. House, you will have a very, <laughs> a very good time. It is so fun to chat to you once a year or however often we do it. I'm very grateful for your time. And um, we look, love all your thoughts on the NBA and the PGA Championship. It's going to be a hell of a lot of fun over the next couple of weeks. I can't wait. And, Louie, anytime you call, I answer. I'm here for you anytime you need me, buddy. <laughs> You're the man house. There you go. Joe House. House from D.C. Ringer Podcast Network is the absolute best.